Welcome to the Pastor's Cut. This week we're on with Nathan Payne, lead pastor of our center region, and talking about what got cut from his sermon on Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. And we get to discuss the listener question as well. And so if you have any questions, we'd love to, to see what you're wanting to hear more about. You can send those in to podcast at parkcommunitychurch.org or just leave a comment wherever you happen to be listening. We'd love to know what you're wanting to hear more about. All right, let's get started. I'm Trevor Lovell, and this is The Pastor's Cut with Nathan Payne. Nate, great to have you on the show. Hey, it's good to be here, Trevor. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And thank you for, for making time for it. I know you got some some company in town this weekend. You, you got your parents in, right? Yeah, it was a joy. They surprised us and were able to stop through for a couple of days. And so it's good to be able to see them in the flesh. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Um, they're they're out in, in D.C., is that right? They actually have recently moved out of the D.C. area and now live in the South, and uh, they're sort of resettled in their retirement years. So this oh, is our nice. first post-move retirement visit with the uh-huh. grandparents in <laughs> Chicago. So we're we're really we were really glad to have them here. My kids were so overjoyed to hang out with them and get to see Grandma and Grandpa. Yeah, yeah. No, that's cool. I was even thinking, you know, you shared at the beginning of your message, like them being in town. And, and I know just, just personally from knowing, knowing your story, right? That your dad was a pastor. So you grew up, you know, seeing ministry kind of through, through the, the lens of him seeing your dad at work. And, um, I just, it must have been a pretty cool moment to be able to, to be preaching with your dad there, right? Being sort of the reversal of, of what you grew up when for, for so long, right? Yeah. Truth be told, you know, Preaching in front of, you know, a a few thousand people or whatever, that didn't really make me nervous. But when my dad and mom said, hey, we're going to be here this weekend. (laughs) And I realized that they literally, Pops is going to be in the audience. Then the my nerves got to me a little bit, I have to admit. Uh, But he's just, uh, he's such a great encouragement, both of them, obviously getting to see them live out uh, faithfully ministering the gospel and uh, to others. And so it was a joy to have them there. Yeah. Yeah. And that's really cool. Um, so Nate, um, you know, a lot of times as pastors, it, you know, I think it's interesting when it gets to, you know, what has God been teaching you? Um, there's kind of a couple different levels to answer the question. Like what has God been teaching you lately as a pastor, but then also just as a follower of Jesus. And so I, I kind of just want to open up that question and feel free to answer it from either level. But, um, but what's, what's just something that God's been teaching you lately? Yeah, that's just such a great question. And, you know, I, th- I think that as I, reflect on how and what God's been teaching me, uh, emphasis on how, <laughs> just as much as the what, is that, you know, earlier this year, I started reading through the book of Luke. And of course, that's the first series of the book uh, and series in Luke and Acts. And so it kind of syncs up with the messages. So I do feel like God's been speaking and working in my own heart and life be- before we got into the message series, if you will. But you know, just some of the things that have just stuck out to me just so clearly is just the the reality of our dependence upon on Christ and His availability. Um, his, I just been so struck with the fact that Jesus, like He went to the broken and He 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 drew He drew them to Himself and. 
And there's, for me, a lesson in continually, it's one of those things from going from my head to my heart continually in terms of just understanding, like, run to Jesus. Like, I can, I can, I can continue and need to always be running to him. His arms are open. He heals the sick and the broken. And Lord knows that, uh, me and certainly all of us have our frailties and weaknesses and, and yet he's, he's faithful and, and that's his posture as a, as a great king and savior. He's just such a different kind of king. And I, I'll have to admit, like, I just, I don't know. I just been struck with the fascination with Jesus. Um, uh, and I, I've obviously my dad's a pastor. I've known about him my whole life and in different seasons of life, been able to, um, you know, just walk with him. But yeah, just been struck with just looking at the life of Jesus and looking in between those moments when he's going to the rich man and then he goes to another rich man, you know, and both of those folks, one leaves, the other comes and follows him. And the difference was that person's heart posture towards Jesus. Uh, so yeah, that's a long-winded way of saying that I've been just learning and loving more and more of Jesus and who he is and and how he walked the earth and modeled for us what it means to know him and follow him. Yeah. Yeah. Man, that's good stuff. That's that's rich. Um mm. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. And so Nate, you preached um you brought the word at, in near north and in, in Lincoln Park this past weekend, um uh, preaching from Acts chapter 2 verses 42 47. Um, could you give us just a quick recap of your sermon? Sure, I would love to do that. Basically, 242 to 47, it's the opening, it's a summary of what has happened in the aftermath of the early church starting where basically in a matter of, you know, one sermon that Peter preaches, 3,000 people are added, 25 times more people become part of the church than were uh, part of that original group of 120, uh, with 25 times more people. And then you see this explosion of Holy Spirit community, gospel community that's awakened. And they really anchored on, you know, four things. You know, they anchored on the being devoted, which is they're constantly in engaged and in um, uh, just in, in involved with attending to the apostles' teaching, which is the word. Uh, they are constantly and devotedly engaged with, um, with, with really with prayer and with uh, attending to each other, the fellowship, uh, and they're devoted to being a public witness um, and, and gathering together. And so there's this whole idea that they, they're really devoted to these four things, the word, uh, to one another, to worship, and to um, to witness, and that's really this sort of expansion and ex- explanation and example of the power of Holy Spirit filled people and community and gospel witness uh, in the world as the church is gathered in all the times of formal and informal times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. It makes me think of sort of that concept of the fundamentals, right? That these should sort of always be pieces of our of our lives, of our communities as well. Yeah, for sure, for mm-hmm. sure. You um, 
you know, there's like, there's the four different pieces there. And you talked a little bit about this in, in your sermon about being devoted to the word. Um, you know, and that's, that's not just like you kind of glance at your Bible for, for a minute or two in the midst of whatever else you're doing that morning. But, uh, but that word devotion is, is really more of a, it's a serious word that, um, that has much more wrapped up into it than that. And so when you think of like being devoted to the word, what are some, maybe some tips or, or even like some rhythms or practices for, for how you build that into your own life or just advice that you would give to, you know, and how do you do that well? Sure. I mean, we, we've all heard that old children's story, read your Bible, pray every day and you grow, grow, grow. Well, if you haven't, you just heard it. It's an old, old school children's <laughs> song. Say, and it, I've never, I haven't heard that. This is the first time. <laughs> all good. All good. I'm just giving you a little something for free there. Uh, I'm sorry for those of you who had to just listen to me sing right now, but all I'll say is reading our, reading our Bible is a basic and fundamental, uh, thing that we, we should attend to, um, read it <laughs> to hear what it says. We can't meditate. We can't memorize what we don't read or, or listen to. Uh, some of us are audible or audio hearers. So, uh, reading our Bible, um, and I think part of that is also learning to meditate on the Bible. And meditation on the Bible is really not just reading through, we all, let's be all honest, that sometimes we just read to read. The meditation is this idea of thinking on, contemplating on, mulling over, chewing over, um, you know, the, the what we're reading, you know, and, and slowing down sometimes to actually see what's going on uh, in in the text and in the scripture, and then having a posture of in that of God, what are you saying? What are you speaking? What do you want me to hear? How do you want to change me? How do you want to strengthen my faith? And reading with that kind of a lens, I think, really helps us to begin to understand and apply the scripture and really live out the expression of being devoted. Uh, to it, to the word. Um, the other thing is also take advantage of this. They were doing this in community. So this wasn't like their own individual journey of like, hey, each person was maybe like doing their own thing. They were committed to this idea of devotion together. So I think one thing we sometimes miss in our cultural context is that it's all about my own personal and individualized experience. And yet, you know, what one person was listening to, another was. And so they were engaged in the sense of dialogue and conversation. And did you understand what Jesus said? Oh, listen, did you, did you hear what he said about what Jesus did? Even an example, when Jesus appears to those two disciples walking the road to Emmaus and explaining the scripture to them in Luke 24, it's they start talking. They're like, did you hear what he said about this? And and so then they go back and they talk with all the rest of the disciples. And so sometimes I think we need to elevate our, our devotion to the word game by getting outside of ourselves and engaging the conversation with other people. That's good. That's good. Yeah. Man. All right. So so what got cut from your sermon? Well, there's a couple things that got cut I didn't have time to expand on. I think one of the things that first came to mind was just out of that group of 120 uh, people that were part of the first church and uh, that first group of disciples, followers in Acts 1, 
14 and 15, it says, uh, if you notice that this group includes uh, various people from the disciples, the apostles, you know, to also various people who had been following Jesus. And I noted that in verse 14, as they were devoted, uh, that we see that we're devoted there, but it says that together the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. And so you have this sense that this group of 120 are people who are devoted to Jesus. They've, they're at the cross. They re- witnessed the resurrection. And I just noted that it, that Luke's, Luke includes that there were women there. And I think sometimes when we think of the early church, we just think of the, the 11 apostles, uh, those men who Jesus uh, had chosen and who were sort of pillars of the church. Um, and they were, but we can often sort of, when we just think of those, the early moments of the church, we sort of see those big figures, but there were so many other people involved, including these women. And so I just had this sense of like, you know, even for our sisters in, in our church, uh, to be reminded that they were there when Jesus said, you will be my witnesses, uh, to the ends of the earth. They were there when the Holy Spirit came upon that group. They were there when they were commissioned, uh, and they are part, uh, of the mission. And so I just say maybe to my sisters listening that, that you have the Holy Spirit and you've been commissioned and, uh, you have, uh, a, you have a vital role in the mission of the gospel going to the ends of the earth. And, and maybe you need to be reminded, uh, uh, and even be asking, Lord, what's my part? What's my part? I'm a, you're an essential part of the mission and ministry uh, going forward. Yeah. Yeah. It makes me think of later on in the book, even when, um, like Paul's second missionary journey, when they cross over um, out of Asia Minor and into Europe for the first time. And the, the first person to actually receive the gospel in, in like all of Europe is Lydia, the um, wealthier woman who, who sold purple, which sticks with me because it's my daughter's name. Remember that a little bit more. But uh, yeah, but yeah, you can see that. Um, yeah, all throughout. And good stuff. Um, what else got cut? Well, I, I noted too, just these are just all in the sort of the first kind of section of the, the text. And it's sort of what's in the background of the text, but it's there. And, you know, we saw that 3,000 people were added to the church. And so it, you know, multiplies in this explosive way of the Holy Spirit. And when we're reading the context of their devotion to teaching and the fellowship, the devotion to one another, these, the people that are devoted to one another are people from uh, that group that were Jews coming from all the different nations, you know, and, and, and Acts chapter one. Uh, and they had come from places where they had, uh, Acts one eight, they had native languages that were different. They're from different parts of the world. And they're the ones who heard the word they heard and responded to the gospel and then become part of the church. And so I think sometimes we have this image of the church, the early church is made up of people who all looked alike, sounded the same, and sort of just like were this culturally homogenous group, and they weren't. Um, I think one of the reasons we think of that is because it's like, man, they were so devoted to each other. They were so committed to the central and essential 
teachings of scripture and the gospel, and they did so many things that it was like they had to have been homogenous because there's no way that could have happened. Well, I think it actually, the, the pictures painted that the thing that really sticks out is not so much their differences, but their devotion um, to the teaching and uh, the apostles' teaching, which was the gospel and, and everything pointing to the gospel. And uh, I just thought it was so interesting that the, the first church would have been like multinational because they are from so many different places in the world, uh, which I couldn't expand on that, but they are from Africa, uh, which I just, you know, there's just something Libya and Egypt are mentioned in Acts 1, um, uh, which, you know, for me personally, as someone who's roots are from the continent of Africa, just to be reminded that we were part of the story from the beginning of the church, not not uh, sort of in this historical sometimes framework where we think it only happened in this Western context, but that uh, not only Africa, all over different parts of Asia and as far as Rome, I mean, the known world, and they were part of the original church. The thing that was the distinction in their unity was that they received the gospel. They were submitted to the authority of uh, the scriptures, they knew it is proclaimed by the apostles and the Holy Spirit filled them. And that Holy Spirit unity catapulted them into a type of community that I think all of us at the end of the day, we deeply long for. Um, we deeply long for and because they were ordinary people just like you and me, it points to the fact that it's very much possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Man, with Pentecost and like Acts 1 and 2, there it feels like there's so many layers to it. There's so many different like really rich like rich ideas that you can take and, and move in so many different directions. It's like it's almost hard to to actually like cover it all, like to plumb the depths of, of everything that's in those two chapters. It's um yeah, it's good stuff. Man, good. Um what what else got cut? Yeah, I'll just say the last thing that I didn't really get a chance to expand too much on was just the idea in verse 43 says, awe came upon every soul and says many wonders and signs are being done through the apostles. And well, I wasn't necessarily one to spend too much time on the idea of wonders and signs. Uh, we talked about that last week, but the, the thing that struck me was just through the apostles. And again, kind of just understand that context of the apostles. You know, I think in our, our own sort of mindset, we almost, in a sense, imagine them as like superhuman and sort of these super saints. And, and yet it's like these were everyday, ordinary people. They would have been people in our context who would have worked for the city of Chicago in the building uh, construction program, the uh, accountants. Um, there would have been people who worked in boardrooms and people who worked uh, uh, on the sidewalks, and 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 it was just this idea that I was struck with the idea that that God was doing extraordinary things to very very ordinary people. Uh, he was doing the miraculous through the unremarkable and. It, it really did just stick with me in that the, the distinction was not who they were. The distinction was that they had trusted and followed Jesus and received the Spirit and the Holy Spirit was who was doing the work. He was doing it through them. And I just have to wonder, 
um, among our own church. Like, do we trust and believe, do even those of us who are listening right now, in our ordinariness of cubicles and Zoom calls and schooling and trying to figure out, you know, grocery stores and cooking that in our everyday ordinariness that the spirit of God indwells every follower of Jesus and what extraordinary things does he want to do through us? Um, that just really struck me. Yeah. Yeah, man, that, um, that's like one of the themes that sticks out from Pentecost that, um, just that, you know, the whole, the, like the wind and the fire and how there's tongues of fire, right. And how, it's like repeating this pattern throughout scripture that um, God's presence is marked by uh, kind of by this fiery presence, right? That you see uh, when he's kind of uh, delivering the Israelites out of their bondage in Egypt across the Red Sea, when he fills the tabernacle, when he fills the temple later on, it's the same thing. But but what's different at Pentecost is every time before that, no matter like how wonderful it is, there's always one body of fire, right? Located in some place, and yet at Pentecost, there's like a hundred and there's 120, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it's like his presence is, it's not just in a, in one single place anymore. It's in every single one of us. And, and just like you're saying, no matter how ordinary we might feel, um, the, that like the, the presence of God is actually inside each and every one of us. And so, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's amazing truth. Mm-hmm. Man, uh, okay, we're, we're going to come close to the end here. We've got our listener question, uh, the segment at the end. And so got a fitting question, actually, with, uh, with kind of what's going on in, in your own life right now with parents in town. And so this is our listener question for this week. Um, what does honoring my parents look like as an adult? Oh, that's a great question. I think particularly when we think of honor your parents, honor your father and mother, most of us, uh, especially in our adult years, we sort of think of that as like, a, that was, that's relevant when I'm a kid, you know, basically do what my parents tell me to do and have a good attitude. Um, and, and yet if you really look at that particular commandment, there's no end date on honor your mother and father. Um, I think one of the things that's distinct in, in the adult years is that honoring mom and dad doesn't mean obeying mom and dad because they're not in a, particularly in a position of um, oversight and authority in the everyday over us, but they are in a position in which we honor them as a way to reflect our posture, I think, towards um, authority in our lives uh, that God has established in the past, but also sort of in a real way, um, honoring, you know, God who is our father and is sort of like our who is ultimately our all of our parent, our father in heaven. And I think with one of the things that we could do when we think about honoring our parents as adults is in the ways that we engage with them, the ways that we talk about them, the ways we respond to them uh, can all be ways that we do that. I think for those of us who've had great parenting experiences with our parents, we can thank them. We can express gratitude for their way that they've invested in us. Um, we can find some things that make sure that we com- you know, commend them for. Uh, but then there are those of us who, frankly, our parents weren't very honorable. Uh, and I, and I know those stories are there. You know, there's 
you know, mom or dad, maybe they were not um, present or maybe in, in even now. And so how we talk about them is a way to honor them. So instead of shredding them as a person, uh, we can, um, we can, can, we can have boundaries and, and, and yet in a loving way, we can still pray for their salvation if they're not followers of Jesus. We can honor them in our correction. I think of when Paul talked to Timothy, Hey, when you're talking to an older man, you know, you know, talk to him like a father, correct him like you would a father. Uh, and, and there is something in that where there's a way to, um, and a, and a, and a sort of responsibility to not just sort of let things slide just because someone's older or our parents, but at the same time, the way we go about it. And so just our attitude is one specific way. What we talk about with them and about them is another way. So those are a couple things that I think of. And lastly, I'll just say as they age, it looks like us being available and willing to help them when they're in need. Um, that's a distinct way to show honor to them that yeah. we're in appreciation. That's good. That's good. And well, Nate, thank you so much. It's been a great conversation. It's been great having you on and uh, I'll let you, let you get back to the family now, get back to, I know your parents are just about to leave. So yeah. Yep. They're literally just about to pack up and scoot out of here. So I'm going to jump off and uh, just thanks so much for having me on and many blessings to you. And to those of you who are listening, thanks for giving me a few more minutes in your ear. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for joining us this week. We hope you enjoyed the episode. And again, if you have any questions you'd like us to discuss, go ahead and send those on in. And to do so, just email us at podcast at parkcommunitychurch.org or just drop a comment wherever you happen to be listening. Thanks again. We'll be back next week.